message this morning that's really dear to my heart, and I hope it's something that you will just grab a hold of this morning. And um, I just want to jump right into this. So let's just uh, go to John. If you have your Bibles with me, we will have the words on the screen behind me, I believe. Um, So we're going to jump into John chapter 11, a very familiar portion of Scripture I'm sure you've all heard. And uh, But this morning I pray that there's some freshness, some newness uh, to this, and that you're pretty much just just changed by the power of God as we just continue in our worship through the word this morning. So let's go ahead and and jump into this, coming from John chapter 11, uh, verse 1. It says, now a man named, uh, a man was sick, Lazarus, from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister, Martha. Now, just in case you don't know who this Mary is, because there's lots of Marys in the Bible, verse 2 explains who this Mary is. Mary, in verse 2, says, was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. And it was her brother Lazarus who was six. And you can find that account in Matthew chapter 26. So the sisters sent a message to him, Lord, the one you love, note that, is sick. So let's just pause here just for a moment and just recap these first three three verses. So here are some loved ones right now who are in the midst of crisis. They're in a moment of panic where someone that they love dearly and someone they know that Jesus loves dearly who is about to die. And they're saying, Jesus, we know what you can do. We know who you are. We know you're the miracle worker. And so God, we need you to come and we need you to come now because things are not looking good for Lazarus, we need you, and we need you right now. And what does Jesus do? This response blew me away when I, when I read it. I'm thinking, what? So this is what happens in verses 4 through 6. It says this, when Jesus, now the messenger has come, he knows what's going on. When Jesus heard it, he said, this sickness will not end in death, but is for the glory of of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. Note that. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed. What? He stayed two more days. Think about that. He stayed two more days in the place where he was. Now, I read that and I thought, wow, like this, this is Jesus and good friend, messenger comes, Lazarus is dying and Jesus says, it's all good, but I'm going to stay two more days. I'll be there, but I'll stay there two more days. Jesus was unruffled by the news that was given to him and it did not faze him. Why? Because he knew the plan. He knew the divine strategy. He knew there was something going on behind the scenes. And when he was through with what was going to happen after those two days, he knew that everybody would stand amazed and say, wow, this can only be something that the Son of God could do. God and God alone. So let me say this to you this morning before we get into the heart of this message. I have no idea what you're facing today. I have no idea what you're going through. And maybe there's questions in your own mind that say, I, I don't understand why I have to go through this, why things are going the wrong way in my life, or what some of the, the, the 
blows that the enemy may have dealt you over the past several months. But I can tell you this, and this is what God's going to say to us this morning. He's got a divine strategy. He's got something going on behind the scenes that we may not know of, that we may not see. And it's going to be undeniable when we come out of this and out of what you're going through that we will say only God and God alone was there the whole time. Do you believe that this morning? So this morning, the title of my sermon is this. It's Let the Dead Live Again. Now, I'm just curious. I'm glad they got this up. So put up that little next slide for me here. Does anybody recognize this scene at all? Oh, yeah, that's good. So this is like pre-Jesus, right? Just kidding. Just kidding. So there is a famous line. What, who knows this movie? What's the name of this movie here? The Sixth Sense. What's the famous line that came from this movie? I see dead people. Yeah, you're all saved now. I, I gotcha. So for the past 19 months, I have literally watched for people from all walks of life throughout this pandemic slowly die. I've watched marriages crumble. I've watched mental health on the rise. I've watched as COVID has sucked the life out of people mentally, physically, spiritually, and some financially. So I really saw dead people walking the streets, going into malls, going into theaters, going to movies, and I could look around and you could just see death all over their faith, face and even people in church. So I want you to, if you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write this key thought down. It says this, did you know that you can be dead while you live? So you're alive on the outside, but very, very dead on the inside. And in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 6, it says this, the widow who lives for pleasure, where is she? She is dead even while she, what? Even while she lives, we see dead people. Maybe you see people who are relationally dead. Relationally, they, they are people who have authentic, transparent relationships. Or they don't have, sorry, authentic, transparent relationships. Like a surfacey relationship on the outside, but relationally dead on the inside. People who are married and living in the same house, but no more than maybe roommates. I see people who are just dead because they're just existing, floating through life, hoping that one day things will just get better. Alive on the outside, but dead on the inside. People who play church, come to church, look great on the outside, but inside, man, they're, they're dying. They're dying. Let's continue in verses 7 through 15. In John chapter 11, it says, Then after that, he said to the disciples, Let's go to Judea again. Rabbi, the disciples told him, Just now the Jews tried to stone you, and you're going there again? Aren't there 12 hours in a day? Jesus answered. If anyone walks during the day, he doesn't stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks during the night, he does stumble, because the light is not in him. He said this, and then he told them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm on my way to wake him up. Then the disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will get well. Jesus, however, was speaking about his death, but they thought he was speaking about natural sleep. So Jesus then told them plainly, Lazarus has died. 
I'm glad for you. It's not it's like Jesus, like, you know, okay, I tried to sort of get, get the message to you. You didn't get it. So here it is and just stabs him with the, you know what, Lazarus has died. I'm glad for you that I wasn't there so that you may believe, but let's go to him. Then Thomas said to his fellow disciples, let's go, let's go too soon. That, oh, sorry. Let's go too soon that we may die with him. Very sarcastic. And when Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the, in the tomb for four days. So two days, Jesus waits before going back to Judea. And then he says to his disciples, okay, let's head back. Let's go to Judea, Judea where Lazarus was. And his disciples says, ah, Jesus, you know, are, are you sure you really want to go back there? Because, you know, the last time we were there, you know, things did not go well for any of us. And maybe, maybe here is just really good to where we need to be. But again, Christ knew the plan. He knew the divine strategy. So this morning, I want to take three characters from this particular story. And I want to look at three different death traps that these people have gone through. And maybe you'll be able to relate to one of these uh, death traps in your own life. And maybe today you'll walk away victorious in what you're going through. So first thing I want to look at is Thomas. And we all know what Thomas was good for. We know him as Doubting Thomas. And Thomas was, my first point, if you're taking notes, is Thomas was dead in his doubts. So here in verse 16, Thomas speaks up and very sarcastically says this to the disciples and Jesus uh, in verse 16. It almost reminds me of Winnie the Pooh for all those people who uh, are Disney fans and that wonderful little character of Eeyore, that depressed little donkey. And it would be sort of said like this if it was Eeyore saying this. Okay, let's go back. Also that we may die with him. So you can hear this coming out of Thomas, and there's some sarcasm in his voice in this whole thing. And he realizes that he's probably not going get, to get anywhere with Jesus because he knows who Jesus is. But some of you this morning, you may be having that Eeyore moment in your life. That moment where you're, very, you're dying on the inside with some real spiritual doubts. And I'm sure that we can all relate to this little boy uh, who was afraid of his basement at his house. And his mom kept all the food down there in the basement. It was kind of like a pantry. And the mom would always say, hey, buddy, honey, would you go down there and get some things? And the boy would always say, but mom, no, I'm, I'm too afraid. I don't want to go down in the basement. And the mom said, son, listen, would you go get me a can of tomato soup? I really need it. And the boy says, mom, you know how afraid I am to go down those stairs into that dark and dingy basement. And so the mom pipes up and says, son, you need to understand something. Jesus is in the basement and you will be fine. And the boy thought, pondered for a moment and said, wow, Jesus is in the basement? He said, yes, Jesus is in the basement. The boy said, fine. And he opened up the door, looked down in the basement and said, yo, Jesus, can you toss me up a can of tomato soup? And, uh, Right? It's just, it's just those moments where we, we don't always feel, we know he's there, but we don't always feel like he's there. And maybe some of you are right, right that point in your life right now that you've prayed for something and it seems like all is heaven is silent. And I've been there. You know, how many people you've, you've prayed and you feel like, God, where are you? I don't, I don't, I don't hear you. Oh, none of you? Oh, okay. Well, I, I, let me see your hands again. Who, who knows that? Yeah. Okay. Good stuff. Just want to make sure we're alive here this morning. And, uh, 
and you're wondering, God, I'm praying. I'm praying the way you've asked me to. I'm seeking your face. Are you there, God? Like I'm praying and, and this way nothing's happening. And if you are, then you're good, right? And if you're good and you're, and you're there, can you do something about it? And if you can, then God, why aren't you? Why aren't you doing something about it? Because I really don't understand. And I, I remember my time in Bible college. It was my first year of Bible college. And I went through one of the biggest seasons of doubt in my life. And this is in Bible college, when I was supposed to be growing closer to God and studying his words. And I found myself doubting and wondering, does God even really exist? Is this a waste of my time? Is being here something that, do I really need to be here? And I became almost like a doubting Thomas. And maybe that's where you are right now, dying right now in your doubts. So Thomas was, was dead in his doubts. And then there was Martha, and many of you will be able to relate with her. Martha was dead in her delay. Love this. So what was the problem? It was taking Jesus far too long to get to where they wanted him to be. And she was about to let it be known to Jesus. In verse 17, when it says, on his arrival, Jesus found the Lazarus had already been in the tomb for how long? Four days. Lazarus has been dead. Now, folks, let me tell you something. Four days is like dead, dead. I mean, he's, he's dead. Four days, he's dead. Four days. The King James even states that his body stinketh. So, I mean, we pretty much know this, this guy's gone. He's, he, he's dead. And, uh, and in verse 21, it says, now here's the delay. Listen to this in verse 21. It says, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, if you had been here. So she's like up in Jesus' grill, just talking to him, saying, Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. What took you so long? Why? Why, Jesus? What? You could have been here in a day and a half. It took you four days, and now Lazarus is dead. Like, what, what, you, what were you thinking? She was dead in her delay. And some of you this morning may understand what we're talking about here because you can relate to this delay feeling. I know I can. My dad's been battling cancer for two years. And we've been praying earnestly, asking God to heal him and, and not understanding. We know God can heal. And I certainly don't question God because his ways are different than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts, as the scripture says. But I was like, God, I, this delay in healing is killing us. Or this delay in finding a, maybe a marriage partner for those who aren't married. Or maybe a delay in finances. You know, what's going on, God? Like, I really need a miracle. Like, God, you got to help me here. We're, what's this delay in this? I'm praying. I'm trusting. We serve you. And there are so many people that you love, some of them may be very, very deeply loved, that you love. And, and your greatest prayer is that this person would come to know Jesus Christ. And you've been praying, and you've been praying. And the harder you pray, the farther they seem to go from God. And you're saying, what is going on? Why, God? Why the delay? Two things. Greater purpose, divine strategy. And we've had to hold on to this. So anything that I'm speaking to you about this morning is not something that I haven't already lived in my own life or my wife. You know, so this is being birthed from a heart and experience of what God has been bringing us through. So we've seen Thomas, who is dead in his doubts. We've seen Martha, who is uh, dead in her delay. And then Mary, I think, perhaps might be the most difficult in this story. Um, she was dead in her discouragement. 
in verse 20, it says, When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet Jesus. But what did Mary do? She stayed home. She didn't move. She, you could almost feel the discouragement that was in her heart. And I could just hear Mary in my head saying, why even bother? We asked him to be here four days ago. And yet, this is what Jesus does. The man who tells us he loves us. Lazarus is one of his closest friends. And four days, you could just hear Mary's discouragement and how she was feeling. She was dead in her discouragement. And if you go through the story, you'll see that Mary finally comes out and speaks to Jesus. Before that moment, she was dead in her discouragement. You know, maybe you're here this morning and say, I've tried to overcome this addiction in my life. And I've prayed, I've gone to classes, I've gone through everything that I think I'm supposed to be doing, but yet I can't seem to get ahead of this thing. I've gone to counseling. I'm never happy. Seems like everybody else around me is getting blessed. But God, have you forgotten me? I'm really discouraged right now. I really need you to, to speak to my heart. So here's a question this morning that I want you, I want you to be, be very honest about. And the question is this, what in your life is dead or is dying? Let's, let's be real, right? I mean, these past 19 months have not been terribly easy for a lot of people. Church online, people not coming back to church, people fearful. We've, we've heard it all. And as pastors, you know, we're trying to navigate through this. It wasn't the easiest thing. <laughs> and, uh, and so my question is you, what are you on the outside that's really not reflecting what's true on the inside of your heart? What's, what's dead or dying in you? It could be that one time you really had this deep faith, a real faith, but that's dying. It could have been that one time where you felt that intimacy of God and, and your prayer life has taken a step back because you're questioning God, you're discouraged, you're, you're doubting what's going on. Uh, maybe it's the fact that that one time you experienced a joy of obedience and then somehow that just seemed to, to go away, that it's just been sucked out of you. No joy, no peace, no life. Dead on the inside, but not showing that out on the outside. For me, it was really early on in ministry. We were living in Florida, and I was just going through a real difficult time in my life. And I was like, God, I'm, I'm at my wit's end here. I, I need you. And I remember sitting on the couch, and my, my eldest at that time, who was six or seven, she came up to me, and she said, Daddy, what's, what's wrong? And as soon as that comes out of a child's mouth and it's your daughter, you know, this, this starts happening and you start crying. And I was even too ashamed or just even too, I was just, I didn't want to tell her what I was going through. Cause why would a six or seven year old want to know what their dad's going through? I certainly don't want to tell her how I feel or, or what I'm going through. And it almost felt like if I had to, it was almost like this cup of water. So often we use the illustration of, you know, being half full or half empty in this case, this cup of water was not a good cup of water in my life because it was filled with anxiety. It was filled with depression. And at any moment, it felt like if I was to move too quickly or say something that would give me some type of transparency, that, that water would just overflow. But the water wasn't good. It was water that was filled with anger, bitterness, not understanding what Christ was taking me through. And 
I said to my, my little daughter, I looked at her, and I said, uh, and I paused. I couldn't even get the words out. And Alyssa, she said to me, I'll never forget these words. She said, Daddy, um, I'll tell you what. You just cry all you want to. And I'm just going to sit here, and I'm going to hold you until all the tears go away. This is a six- or seven-year-old basically preaching to me on the couch in Lakeland, Florida. And it was so profound to me. And then look what happens here in verses 33 and 35. And this, this really speaks to my heart. It says, and there's a lot of tears going on here, lots of tears. And Jesus was right in the middle of what was happening. It says this, when Jesus saw Martha weeping and the Jews who had come along, the Jews, now not just them three now, them two, now it's a bunch of other people who have come along with her also weeping. And he was what? Jesus was deeply moved in spirit and trouble. Jesus was hurting as well. And, and then Jesus came back and said, well, where have you laid him? Come and see, Lord, they replied. And then this profound two-word portion of Scripture in verse 35 says, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. His whole humanity came out in him. That part of God just came out, and he was relational to everybody. He knew the divine strategy. He knew what was going to happen in just a few moments. But for that moment, God became so real to the people around him that his humanity came out of it, and Jesus began to weep because he was hurting with the rest of the people around him. Why? Because that's how much he feels and how much he cares about his people. That's how much he was weeping because he was hurting and he was crying because the people that were around him, around him were hurting and they were crying. But where does the scripture say today where Jesus is? It says this. It says he is high and exalted, sitting at the right hand of God, the Father praying for you and you and you and you. Every one of us. This is where Christ is today so that when you are hurting, he is praying for you. He is crying along with you. He is holding you until those tears go away. And some of you are in the season between the death and the power of the resurrection. You were in this delay. You don't see it. You don't feel it. The doubts are real. The delay is obvious. And you're in a season of discouragement. But he's saying to you this morning, he will hold you until the tears go away. And we need to remember this and get it into our hearts, no matter what season that we are going through. And maybe you're not going through this season right now, but let me tell you, we face seasons all through our lives. So this is a portion of scripture you want to hold on to. So when it does come down to that, you know that Jesus is with you, holding you until those tears go away. You are in a season. And I want you to, if you, if you have a pen or pepper, please write this down. This is such a profound statement. And I just, it really rocked my world when I read this. Don't forget this, that God's delays, God's delays are not God's denials. 
God's delays are not God's denials. We may not understand why this season is taking so long, but just because you don't feel him or understand what's going on, it doesn't mean God's denying you of anything. It's because he is working behind the scenes. He is doing what he is called to do. This is Jesus we're talking about. God's delays are not God's denials. Just like Joseph in prison for two years. Just like Moses wandering in the desert. Just like Noah building a boat and there's no rain in sight. Just like Paul building tents for years and years and waiting and waiting. God's delays are not God's denials. It is a strange thought that the Lord's love sometimes means delayed answers to the most urgent of requests. And that's where my family is right now when it comes to my dad. We think it's urgent. Well, we know it's urgent. At least we feel it's urgent. But we're just holding on to that, God, you know. You know what we're going through. And so therefore, I'm trusting you through this whole, this whole season. So why did Jesus come? He came so that you could live. Let the dead live again. That's why he came. He came so you could live that God kind of life, that life full of joy, that life full of peace. And I'm not minimizing what we go through. Obviously not. But he is still the God that will give to you, will impart to you that joy when it seems like joy has, has no reason to be in, in your life. He came so you could live the God kind of life. Not this fake, exclusive pursuit of materialism and selfish gratification that we buy into in our mindset. No, that God kind of life. That kind of life that is so real that you have no joy on the inside. That you have, sorry, you have joy on the inside when there's no human reason to have joy on the outside. You walk into a place where there's no reason who anyone should have any kind of peace because there is too much crud going on in your life. And yet there's a peace from on high that only Christ can give beyond any human ability or things to understand. And can I just remind you of this? Be real because fake is exhausting. Be real. And some of you will get this. I, I get it. I had to be real and it, was, it made my life worse just trying to put on some front that was not transparent, a front that wasn't the real me. And it gets exhausting, folks. It gets exhausting. So I'm, I'm telling you this morning, be real because fake is exhausting. Listen, I, my best illustration that I can give for you this morning. And Pastor Mark, if you don't mind meeting me here upstage and, and my two wonderful volunteers who will jo be joining me as well. And um, so this is my best illustration. So we know that Lazarus is in this tomb. So Pastor Mark, I just need you to just stand here over here for me, would you please? With your hands by your side and just standing like a soldier. Well, these gentlemen help me out and uh, go ahead, guys, and uh, let's start to wrap them up. So this is my best Lazarus illustration that I could think of. It's all your guys. <laughs> okay. And while they're doing that, I'm... I'm going to keep going while these guys are wrapping this up and uh, wrapping Pastor Mark up. So listen to this. Here is a beautiful scripture that I hold on to 
the same spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, that resurrection power dwells in you, church. Dwells in you. Are you having some issues, gentlemen? It's a cheap Dutch toilet paper. Okay. <laughs> uh, it'll work. It'll, yeah, it's, it's, it's looking good. It's looking good. So let me say this. I don't want you to miss this while they're doing this. That same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in each and every one of you. That same resurrection power that was in the grave that rose Christ from the dead dwells in you. It came so you could have this God kind of life. John chapter 10, verse 10 says this. The thief comes to what? He comes to steal, he comes to kill, and he comes to destroy. And what happens so often is that we get so wrapped up in these scriptures that we know so well that we forget what these scriptures actually mean because they just rattle off our lips like everyday things that we say. But don't forget this, that the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. He said, I have come that you may have life and have come that you may have life to the full. That's the kind of God life, that kind of God life that Jesus wants you to have. This, this, you're being, Chris, you're being, yeah, but you're being meticulous. It's amazing. Good for you, bro. It's, uh, you know what? We're going to keep going here. So if you're taking down some notes, write this down. Write this down. Jesus came so that you can have life. So stop speaking and dressing like a dead man. Stop thinking like a dead man. Stop acting like a dead man. Stop hanging around dead people, people who pull you down, that are no value in your life spiritually. Jesus came so you could live, so stop dressing like a dead man. And you know what, guys? That's okay. We'll, we'll stop there. Um, and I want you to just hang with me here because I want to go into verse 43 because this is what happened next. What did Jesus do? He looked up to heaven and he prayed this prayer. He said, move the stone away from the tomb. Jesus could have done that at the snap of his finger. But he said to them, move the stone away from the tomb. And Jesus called out in a loud voice and said, Lazarus, come forth. And Charles Spurgeon said, said some, something so beautiful. You know, why did Lazarus get named? Because if Jesus had said, come out of that tomb, Every dead thing, because of the authority and the power that our God has, every dead thing would have walked out of that tomb that moment. But he specifically called out Lazarus' name. And this morning, he's calling out your name. He's calling out your name to come out of that tomb that you are in. The dead man came out, his hands and feet were wrapped in strips of linen and cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Two things Jesus could have done. He could have snapped his finger and a stone would have been rolled away. He could have snapped his finger and those linens would have came off of him. But Jesus chose to let those people around him to do the job. Why? Because that's what the church is all about. It's about community and it's about fellowship. And they came together and they took off and stripped him off of these linens. So guys, just start pulling off some of that linen and then Pastor Mark just break free of that. Yeah, there we go. Thank you. That is my Lazarus illustration this morning. Take off the grave clothes and let him 
go. Folks, this morning, you are the body of Christ. And sometimes we need that Aaron and that her in our lives to lift our arms, those people around you, when you're going through that battle so that God can give you the strength through your brothers and through your sisters who are in this church this morning. The scripture says, dead in your transgressions and sin, but now you are alive in Christ. So take off those negative thoughts. You know, I'm never going to amount to anything. I'm never going to be able to measure up. I feel so miserable. I'm drowning in debt. Stop that death thinking. Stop that death speaking. The past is the past. Forgiven under the blood. Cast into the sea of forgetfulness. God is here. God is real. God has resurrection power. It's available to you. So stop acting like a dead man and come out of your grave. That's my message to you this morning. It's not fans that Jesus is looking for this morning. Not dead people, but those who are willing to fully be committed followers of Christ to strip themselves of death and let him breathe life into your bones again. That pneuma breath, that breath that gets blown into the air in the motion and the breath of life. And if you guys want to come up at this time, it's my message because I want the church to rise above this, be the church, and live again. No more death. We're surrounded by it every day. But Jesus needs to move into our lives and blow that breath back into our hearts and lives and to rejoice and to, and to restore unto us that joy of salvation that was, that was given to us. So what, I asked you earlier, what was, what's dead in your life? What's dying in your life? And this morning, I hope it's a decision or a commitment that you can make to fully follow Christ in this intimate way with that God-given life that he's given you. And I love this. This is how this whole portion of Scripture ends in John chapter 11, verse 25. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live. Even though he dies and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And that scripture is so profound to me. And I'm asking, do you believe this this morning? Is that, is that you? Do you really, really believe this? I don't know what you're going through. I have no idea where you are and what these past 19 months have done to you. But my, my encouragement to you this morning is let the dead live again. Maybe you know somebody who's going through such traumatic pain or you haven't seen them in church for a while and you don't even know if they're going to church anymore. This is our time as a church to rise above it all and be the church and what God has called us to do. So let's just pray this morning. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we, um, we ask that as we seek your face this morning, as we come to you, that in this place we'll find you. I know you're already here. I know you already started, have been moving through our worship time. But God, some of us may need just that extra little kickstart to get us back to where we were 19 months ago. Some of us may need just that, that encouragement in our hearts to be able to 
be all that you've called us to be. That our lives would bring glory to you. And I'm not going to prolong this. I just want, I want to pray for, for you guys this morning. And if there's some of you right now and you realize something in you that should be alive is dead. Maybe it's been dying a very slow, painful death. Maybe it's been dead for a long time. And you can relate to each or one of these characters this morning, Thomas, Mary, or Martha. Then I want to pray for you this morning. I want God to resurrect some dead things and make our hearts alive again. And I want this to be a personal moment to you. And uh, if that's you this morning, would you just say, you know what, can we just, just in the closing prayer, would you just, just pray for me? I've been feeling this way, and I just, just need God to resurrect that in my Yes, thanks. Thanks, bro. Anybody else this morning just want to be honest? Say, God, yeah, I need, a, I need that resurrection power back in my life. It's just taken such a blow in my life. It's past. Anybody else here? Yeah, thank you. Thank you for being honest this morning. Anybody else I'm going to pray? Yes, thanks so much. I don't want to, I don't want to prolong this. I mean, if, if God's moving in your heart and, and you, just, you feel like you're there, and this is your moment. Just say, you know what, God, I'm done with this. Like, I'm just... I want to serve you more than I ever have. I want to be that, that Aaron or that her. I want to be that community to, to, to wrap around my, my pastor. Pray him through what he's going through and try and navigate this. And you're like, I just, I need that, I need that elevation in my life. I need to be lifted to that next level because I just feel like I'm dying. Anybody else here this morning just feel like that? Just, yeah. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you so much. This is real transparency, and this is what I've learned in my life. We need this now. We need each other. More now than ever. One more time. Anybody else want to join us? I pray for you guys this morning. Anybody else? Do you want to rush it? Thanks. Father, thank you. Oh, wow, God. Lord, it's, it's been a crazy 19 months. And yet, God, you don't change. You, you, you hold the very world in your hand. Nothing is taking you off guard. You see your church. You see where we're at. And yet, God, we can still believe and stand on your word that doesn't lie, that you are still King of kings and Lord of lords. But God, there's some of us in this place this morning that need you to breathe life, that need you to breathe that pneuma spirit into their hearts, into their souls. God, I'm praying that you would do that this morning. That you would take them and elevate them and allow them to know, God, that whatever they're facing, whether it be doubts or discouragements or delays, that, God, that we can come to you knowing that you are going before us, that you have destiny before us, that you have the plan and the divine strategy for each and one of our lives and for this church. God, help us to be the church. Oh God, how can we not declare your greatness in this place this morning? For all that you've done, what you're doing and what you're going to continue to do in our lives. And I pray for this church. I pray for the members and I pray for their pastor. The coming weeks, the coming months, God, as we trust you. Trust you for revival. God, we need a revival spirit to rush through our churches. 
we need to see you move, God, like you've never moved before. And I pray that this would become an epicenter to the to the area and places around this church, that there would be a fire so burning so bright that this church would become an attraction to the people around them. And I'm praying for that, that pneuma breath, that, that spirit of God to just blow through this building, through these lives, and through their amazing pastor, his wife, and their family. And so, God, we just, um, we thank you. Let the dead live again. It's the word for today, Jesus. And may we walk from this place with that power, that resurrection power that raised you from the dead. May it dwell richly within us. May we walk in it every day, walk in victory, trusting and knowing that you are the God that will never fail, that God who is always there, and that God who has a divine strategy and divine plan for our lives. And we bless you this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.